I invite you now to listen for God's word as we read the gospel lesson for today from the gospel according to Mark, the first chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It happened in a Methodist church in southeastern Alabama some years ago now, as was the custom. Uh, very frequently then, the evening worship service concluded with an altar prayer time. As the congregation uh, gathered around the table, a young man, a college student, made his way, knelt at the altar, knelt in prayer for a few earnest moments, and then when he finished, instead of going back to his pew, he got up and walked in, up into the chancel area and sat down next to the pastor. They had a few minutes of earnest conversation. And when the organ had finished, then the pastor, Reverend Paul Duffy, later to be Bishop Duffy, but Reverend Duffy made an announcement to the congregation. He said, I'd like you to know that Mike here, referring to the young college student, Mike has told me that he feels a call to ministry, and tonight he is responding to that and committing himself to the ministry. I'm sure all the congregation was inspired, but that announcement, sudden as it seemed, had special import for three people who were in the congregation. One of them was Mike's soon-to-be wife. The two others were Mike's parents, especially Mike's father, who had built a realty firm in that area and he had sent his son off to Tuscaloosa to earn a degree in real estate with the anticipation that he would come back and take over the family business. This was something that he was excited about because he loved his Lord and his church, but no doubt it caused him a little pause to think about how his future was changing even as his son made this announcement. I heard that story from Mike Watson when I was Waycross District Superintendent and Mike had come to be our bishop. We were driving across Camden County en route to visit one of our churches and we passed a sign by the side of the road, the home office of, in Camden County, Watson Realty Company. And he said, that was going to be my future before I made the decision to enter the ministry. Now, many people have left family businesses. I've known some who left family farms to, lead, to go to all sorts of occupations, not just clergy, and none do so lightly without pondering the decision very much. But all of these decisions may pale in comparison with 
the decision of James and John, who left their father Zebedee in the boat. What would, what would make someone do that? This text, which is familiar to us in many ways, also bears some, some reflection and, and closer, closer scrutiny. Some writers pay very close attention to the, the wording and suggest that Andrew and Simon, the first disciples Jesus called, were not as well off as James and John and their father Zebedee. They, they, they say that it seems that Andrew and Simon were fishing either from the bank of the, of the, of the Sea of Galilee or else wading into the shallow water to, to toss a net, whereas Zebedee and his sons had a boat and they had hired men to help them with the business. Others say there's really not that much difference and rebel against the idea uh, that there could have been a, a middle class in that economy that was dominated by the Romans and their, and their aristocratic uh, underlings. As Mark tells the story, he tells it very boldly. Everything happens in a hurry. Everything happens suddenly. And if you simply read the words off the page, it, it sounds as if this is the first time Andrew and Simon, James and John, had even heard Jesus speak. It's as if he just walked up to them and, and out of the blue said, follow me, and then they, and they followed. That's the way Mark tells the story. That may have been the way it was, but it's not unreasonable to think, hey, Nazareth and Capernaum were small towns. If you've ever lived in a small town, you know a lot of people. You hear of what goes on. Oh, somebody's gone out to be a, a preacher or somebody's gone to do this. So it's not unreasonable to think that maybe these four uh, first disciples had heard of Jesus and his teaching and preaching, if not actually heard him themselves. But whether that's true or not, Mark is right to tell the story in these bold strokes, to, to say that, that this is what the, the, the boldness of this choice to leave behind not only a, a way of making a living, but, but a family, to, and, what, and to do what? To wander without, without the promise of an income across uh, the, the landscape, preaching and teaching. That would always be a bold move. Again, we ask the question, why? Why would somebody do it? Why would, as we say, leave dad in the boat? Mark says that the answer is for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, which, which uh, John the Baptist had talked about and now Jesus proclaimed as well, was important enough to make any change, no matter how radical, seem perfectly sensible. The Jews had always believed in the kingdom of God. They had hoped it would come about through their monarchy, but that hadn't worked out too well. And so now their, their hope was transformed into a hope for the end times where God would reign over all. John, as I say, John the Baptist had spoken about it. And Jesus came up and said, you could enter the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom of God? There have been a lot of very well done, very profound books about the meaning of the kingdom of God. But as a starting point, I like where William Barclay put us uh, in his commentaries years ago, drawing on the tradition of parallelism in Hebrew poetry and he really Hebrew speech, where 
the, the, the composer of the, of, the, of the language would say, would make a point and then immediately make the same point but using different words. It's a part of oratory ever since to say one thing and then to say it again for emphasis in different words. And so Barclay points us to the words of Jesus that we uh, use in our worship service today in the Lord's Prayer, where we offer the prayer as Jesus taught us saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Two phrases in parallel. The meaning of the first phrase, thy kingdom come, is amplified and explained in the second phrase, thy will be done. And Barclay says the meaning of kingdom of God is simply that realm, that area, that, that part of life where, where God's will is done. So the point is, no matter how you answer those more theological questions, the point for you and me is, do you believe that God is at work? Do you believe that God is bringing the realm of his will into our lives and do you believe that God is able to make things better? Not everybody believes that. They may pay lip service to it, but they don't really believe that God can, can make a change in our lives. And if you don't believe that God can, can work things for the better in this world, then you better find something else that you think will give you some security and a grounding in life. And so people do it you know the words, in houses and lands and businesses and stocks and in our family and in our pride. Martin Luther in his great hymn said that the call to follow Christ is a call to let goods and kindred go. So the question comes to us really, for what will you risk all? And if that seems to be an easy question, Maybe you just haven't really heard it. As Jesus preaches to bring in the kingdom of God, his first movement is to call disciples. And he calls them in this wonderful story to become fishers of people. Now, I grew up, some of you grew up with a wonderful, bouncy little children's song. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. It's a nifty little song. We all enjoyed it. We liked the rhythm of the music. We liked the, river, uh, the rhythm of the words. And then we hear that instead of fishers of men, here's this translation, fishers of people. What, is, what are they doing to our Bible? Well, the truth is they're getting our Bible back to what it originally said. Because the original language here doesn't refer to adult males, it refers to human beings. And so when we say that he will make us to become those who fish for people, we're really closer to the original than, than the, the version we grew up with. But still, this fish, fishing business sounds kind of negative, it sounds kind of tricky. You know, how, how do you catch a fish? You make, some, you make a fish believe that there's something there for them that, that's really uh, going to serve your purposes instead of them. Well, let's face it, some evangelistic methods are kind of like that too. Sort of tricking people, thinking that we can trick people into, into the kingdom. In the Old Testament, there are references made to God being the fisher, bringing people to judgment. And John the Baptist was kind of in that tradition. The key difference is the intent of the fishing and the result of the fishing. Is it done 
for the good of the person you're reaching out to or for your own good to trick them into something. A number of years ago now, there was a, a story in the paper. A whale had made its way up the Thames River and had made its way all the way up to downtown London. It became quite a sight for people in, in London to, to look out over the river and see this whale. But those who knew these things knew that that was not a good place for a whale to be. Even in a, a river as large as the Thames, that's, that's not a good environment for a, a, a being that's accustomed to the open ocean. And so as the whale began to show signs of weakness, they, they tried to scoop it up. In fact, they did scoop it up and put it on a barge. They were gonna take it out to the ocean. The unfortunate thing is that damage had already been done and the whale died in the effort. And this would have made a lot better sermon illustration if that hadn't happened that way. But you gotta work with what, what, with what it is. I don't know, I'd have some folks, I'd have some friends who probably would have changed the ending to make it a better story, but we won't go there. Anyway, the intent of the people was not to do the whale damage, but to rescue it, to make it, to put it back in its native environment and to, to allow it to escape the trap that it had chosen to enter, because that's really what the Thames River was. It's 2021. And even today, people are entering traps all the time. Drugs and alcohol seem to be a, a, an attractive way of life, but they're a trap. Promiscuity. You can sell your soul for an impressive lifestyle, or you can find time for everything except for your soul. And if there are people out there who have found their way into the traps, who will offer them a way out? Not me, you say. That sounds too heavy for, for me. I just want to live my life. That's all I want to do. But before you refuse the call, consider how this story that Mark told sounded to the readers. Now, today, if you want to start an effort, if you want to accomplish something, whether it's in your community or in your business or in your church. You want to, to build some strong allies, people who are respected, people who are maybe wealthy, certainly people who are influential. That's not bad, that's not wrong. It's the way, it's an effective way to, to create positive change in our world. But God understands better than we do sometimes who it is that we really need, and that is illustrated in this, that we, as we read this story, reading about these fishermen being the first disciples, become confused by the externals, because that's who Jesus started with. Again, a while back, there was this, this thing that circulated among some of us clergy types that was written up as, a, as an assessment by a modern personnel agency of the people that Jesus had invited to be his disciples. And of course, as you can probably figure out, this modern personnel analysis proved that every one of the disciples was a very poor choice, except for one, and that of course was Judas. In the Old Testament, it says, man looketh on the outer appearance, but God looketh in the heart. He chose ordinary people, 
not strong people, not brave people, not widely respected people. And it's evidence of what we know today, as, as frequently cited, that God doesn't call the qualified, but rather he qualifies those whom he calls. I understand that some years ago there was a long-running uh, TV uh, fishing show by a man named Harold Inslee. And he, the, Harold Inslee said he loved fishing, he said, because anybody can do it. The fish didn't care if you were famous or infamous. He didn't care if you were a handsome man or a wealthy woman. The fish didn't care. There's someone out there, as we talk about becoming fishers of people, there's someone out there who will respond only to you. And if you say, I can't do that, understand, it takes a while to learn how to fish. <laughs> Believe me, I never learned. I was a beginning fisherman for years until, uh, until I put the rod and reel away. Jesus knew that about Simon Peter, uh, Andrew, James, and John, that it would take a while for them to grow into the people he needed, and he knows that about us as well. Verse 17 sa really says, I will teach you to become fishers. He will work with us. So what is it that makes someone leave dad in the boat? Maybe it's a conviction that life can be better, a conviction that God will guide and sustain, and a, and a belief that there is a chance to bring people out of self-destruction into an abundant life. The same Jesus who walked by the Sea of Galilee still says today, follow me. He says it to you and to me. Will you follow? May we pray. Loving God, who has called us to follow you, give us grace that we may hear and obey in your own precious name. Amen.